Have you ever felt stuck or uninspired staring at a blank page? As designers, it is literally our job to be constantly inspired and be creative on demand, which can be really overwhelming. I know because I've been there, feeling like my last good idea was my last good idea. I'm Brandy C. I've been designing for over 20 years and I believe that every designer deserves to have a process that will get them past the creative block. The process I've developed uses a powerful words first method. This online course will give you powerful tools to craft epic concepts, unlock your own inspiration, research in new and exciting ways, and so much more. The Strategic Process Essentials course has everything you need to stop wasting time, get past creative block, and create work that gets noticed. Get a sneak peek of the course at brandyc.com courses. Welcome to Design Speaks. We're here to empower you to unlock your own inspiration so you can take control of your creativity. I'm your host, Brandy C, and this week's bonus episode is a conversation between myself and special guest, Amber Anderson. We're gonna be talking about the strategic process course, so stay tuned for that, coming up soon. Hey everyone, Uh, welcome to Design Speaks Podcast. Today I have a really special guest, a member of the Design Speaks slash Brandy C community, and her name is Amber. Welcome, Amber. Hi. So, were you shocked when I told you you were going to be on video? I was, because I didn't know you were doing video. (laughs) Yeah, so surprise, I asked you to be on, and then last minute told you you were going to have to show your face, so here we are. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So, today I just really wanted to talk to Amber about my new course and the process and her experience because she has been such a longtime fan follower of everything that I do here. And so um, it was really valuable to me to hear her, her input and her insight on the course that she took and the course that I am still currently offering. So today's just going to be real chill, just kind of a conversation between us about the process and her journey and, um, I've got coffee, and I think I saw she has coffee. Show your mug. Yeah, so. Yeah, Pantone. Pantone. Is this your favorite Pantone color? Black? Just it's like my favorite color. Black. Okay. Black. <laughs> yeah, I, if, if we go by what's in our closets, I have, like, probably more black and gray than anything, but I really love color, so I don't know. Really? I feel like I see you mostly in, like, bright colors. Yeah. So I'm surprised. Yeah, my closet is about two-thirds gray, white, and black, and then the other third is all really bright colors. Oh, <laughs> mine's 90% black. Yeah, well, that's okay. <laughs> and and my this is pretty much a reflection. It's like this wall is like all black and white and then color, and that's, color, pretty, that's yeah. pretty much me. So, <laughs> all right. So, um, first of all, tell us a little bit about yourself. Like, this is your little, like, who am I and what do I do and all that stuff. Yeah, well, you already said my name, but I feel weird not saying hi, I'm Amber, but yeah, That's I'm okay. Amber. You can say hi, I'm Amber. Um, <laughs> I am an art director at a stock photography studio, and so we are a large contributor to Getty Images, and I stock, and so I just kind of oversee all of our photos and videos, and then we also have to create our own graphics because no people's branding allowed, <laughs> so... Um, and then I also am a graphic design professor. And so that's my side gig. And it's challenging and fun at the same time. <laughs> yeah. So. so you're basically in charge of a lot of creatives, which is pretty exciting because a lot of times um, the people that are wanting to approach my course are more beginner level. But I, I have found that my people are you like you are my person, the kind of people that I really want to take this course are are people that have Mm -hmm. early in the process. Yes, they should definitely learn this like early in the the journey, I should say of being a graphic designer. But even more so when you are further along in your career, and maybe you don't know these things, and you do lead creatives, or you, um, you just like want to learn a better way to to boost your work. Um, So I think my my two target audiences are really like, people like you that lead a lot of creatives and people that are not brand spanking new, but like 
in their career just a little bit. Although, as you know, everyone can take this course and it, it is good for everyone at every level. So um, how did you first like find this podcast and where did you enter this world of crazy that I am in charge of? I think I just discovered you on Spotify. I think I, if I'm remembering correctly, um, I actually feel like, like you were saying, you feel you have two different target audience. And I am like both of those things. Mm -hmm. I am actually very young in my career. I have only been out of grad school for three years, but I immediately became a professor after grad school. And then um, like a year, I've only been an art director for a almost a year now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I. So you found school, me early in your career. <laughs> <laughs> um, after school, I, I you just kind of have to start learning on your own, um, and so I have never been a podcast person, and so I decided to try it, and so I just search design podcast on Spotify because I love Spotify and I <laughs> found too. you and then I became kind of obsessed with your your podcast um <laughs> so <laughs> that's kind of how I found you and then I started following you on Instagram though I realized today I don't follow the actual design podcast so I need to change that <laughs> that's okay because truthfully I've been questioning uh whether I can manage the design the podcast, Instagram, as well as my own. It's just a yeah, lot, but um, it it's not a big deal. You you see, you see where things are. So when you, when you first started listening, um, what was the surprising thing? Um, like, what was it that kept you listening to the podcast? Because you said you're not like a podcast person. This is like a total sidebar. I'm just really genuinely curious. Like, what kept you listening? Like, what was it that was different about Design Speaks compared to other things that you had heard? Um, I think like, I mean, a large part of it is the content. To me, it was a lot of things that um, I went through a small design program. So it was a lot of things that I didn't really hear or learn in the program. Um, But then also just at that time, the podcast was, I can't remember her name, but it was, huh? Was it me and Michelle? Oh, I totally was going to say Michelle. Um, but she worked at the church as like yeah. a video person. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah. And I loved, I loved that idea of talking to a normal person and a graphic designer. And that was so fun to just listen to. Um, so, yeah, I think that's kind of what. What hooked you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So. Through the course of listening to the podcast, so for those of you who don't know, or if you're maybe new to the podcast, I don't know how you don't know this, but I talk about this thing I call the process a lot, and I've always talked about it. It's something that I developed over all the now, golly, I'm old, 20 years that I've been doing this, and um, I would share it over time like in pieces and stuff through the podcast, and I did like from Michelle's prompting like an intense um seven week series, I believe it was something like that, where we went through every step in the process. And I sort of talked about how it works and what to do and stuff. But even that was not everything. Um, It wasn't every single nuance. Um, And honestly, even the new course that I have is the essentials. It's not even the super in-depth for just just to throw that out there. But um, so I'm not giving you guys everything I got. (laughs) I can't, you would just, you would drown in all the knowledge. (laughs) So um, when I launched the course, um, you had said that you kind of already sort of knew it. So tell me a little bit about like how that went for you, um, what you learned from the podcast, and then we'll kind of go from there. Um. Yeah, so the podcast episodes were really good. I remember listening to them to and from work and home for my commute um, and having to, like, once I got home, re-listen to it so I could actually take notes because I'm such a visual person. Mm-hmm. I'm not an auditory learner, and yeah. that's one reason why podcasts are a little bit hard for me. Um, I'm always taking notes too. Like if I'm listening to something I need to learn from, I have my notes app open. Like, okay, I need to remember this later. (laughs) It's 
it's I wish I was an auditory person sometimes, but oh well. Um, so I don't know if it's because I am a visual learner. And I think going through the course, you do have so much more tidbits and knowledge and stuff like that in the actual course. But some things in the process are a little bit hard to maybe wrap your mind around if you're not used to it. Mm -hmm. And so I remember struggling with some things incorporating into my own process from the podcast episodes. But then whenever... And I worked through those struggles, but going through the course was kind of like, oh, I actually figured it out correctly, (laughs) but it would have been so much, you know, easier. You would have people who just went through the course would immediately be able to understand, I think, um, because you have the beautiful benefit of a video. (laughs) Yeah, not just my voice. Yeah, because it is a, it's a visual, obviously it's a visual process too. Um, Mm -hmm. It is. It is words which are spoken or, you know, written, but ultimately starting with words is writing them down and seeing, seeing this whole like map of life come to be when you're, when you're starting out. So, so you just kind of figured out the process on your own. So something that I really love about the process is that, um, and I, I have had, so I want to hear like your feedback on it, but also there's been people that have um, – I've done this in workshops. So I've, I've done workshops on the process before and people that have been in a few different camps. So one is like, oh, I already have my own process. Like I don't I'm, – I'm cool. Like I don't need this. Like, or, <laughs> or like my process looks sort of like this. Like I, I have a process of things that I do. Right? Like I have a, a method of how I go from A to B. Okay, well, that's not – the same thing as having a process or um, it's just kind of I don't understand why I can't just do something when I feel like doing something. Um, So but what I love about the process is that once you learn it, the whole thing, like once you learn the whole thing, you can take pieces, right? Like this is this process is not my attempt to like force upon anyone like you need to use this whole thing exactly like I do A to Z and implement it. Can you do that? Absolutely. And will it work great if you do that? Absolutely. But I love that you can take pieces of it and in- implement that into maybe the process that you have to make your workflow even better. Mm-hmm. Um, so where did you kind of land on that spectrum of like taking the whole thing and putting it into place or like incorporating bits and pieces and like which pieces had you taken maybe let's say before you did the course and then we'll talk about like how that if that changed or what that looked like after okay yeah um I would say that I don't know if I had a process before listening to your podcast um which is like kind of mind-blowing to me because (laughs) Oh, the struggle, but <laughs> you didn't know what you um, didn't know. <laughs> I don't want to ever go back to those days, just to be honest. Yeah, nobody would. No one likes to struggle to be creative. It's just oh. it's supposed to be good. <laughs> well, recently I even so at my school, we have the Art Honors Society and I'm the speaker at it. And so I was trying to make presentation slides. And I wish I had done the process for that. It sounds so simple, like, oh, I don't need to do a design process with this. But I spent so long on it because I was struggling. And the whole time I was thinking, if we had just gone through the process, Amber, <laughs> we wouldn't be hating ourselves right now. <laughs> yes, I know. Um, and I love that, I love that you, you see that now because it is sort of like lifting the veil right? Like when you don't know, it's just like you just see what you see and it is what it is. But as soon as you like learn something, whether that's my process or other things, like I've had this experience where I'm learning something new from someone else and it goes, it's like, oh, I didn't know my glasses were dirty all this time. Yes. 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 So I think from like specifically from the podcast episodes, it was the word map. Um, 
And the thing that I had to really figure out was how to pull your concept from the word map. Um, that one was that specifically was what was more challenging to figure out mm -hmm. from the podcast. So, um, from the course, I think it, it sounds like little things, but little things kind of add up. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think, um, and it's just, it's in the details. Yeah, like I never thought about um, you really even in your podcast, like music is a big deal, like it's a big component. Mm -hmm. And so um, in the course, I never thought about how music could potentially help you with the brainstorming. Um, and then the research, not gonna lie. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about let's talk a little bit about the word map first. So um, anytime I teach this or talk about this, um, you know, some people just want shortcuts, right? And so um, there's been times where I've talked and said, look, if you want just like one thing that will completely change how you work in this process, like if I could only teach you one thing, it would be the word map. Mm -hmm. um, and all of these other pieces just make it exponentially better and your work will just like skyrocket from here to here if you do all of them but if you can just grasp this one thing and that is what I used to tell my students when I was teaching at the college too was like we're not going to go through my whole process but I'm going to teach you how to use this word map because mm -hmm. this is going to to be foundational for you so you didn't have a process so did you sort of take the word map and then build your own process with that as the first step? Or did you sort of implement a lot of the steps um, that you learned from my process? Um, well, I guess I would say, I mean, I guess everyone kind of has somewhat of a process. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I'm like a mix of illustration and graphic design. And so uh, I I definitely did a lot of like thumbnail sketching and, and, and sketching in general. So the word map was just kind of a, it brought in the idea of having an overall concept rather than just a composition mm -hmm. uh, in your illustration or your design. Um, so that was kind of the, I think the big switch for me was just, figuring out a deeper concept or meaning or idea for what you're creating. Um, and then the actual sketching side and completing. And how those kind of same. work together. Yeah. Yeah. So then you took the course and yeah. um, you gave me a lot of really great feedback um, and we won't give away all the secrets, but um I've talked about how I research a ton. And so um, I want to know, like, what was what was that? How was that different for you? Like learning that differently on the course versus what you've heard me talk about before, maybe. And how has that changed? Because you just took it, what, like a month or so ago? Two months, maybe? I don't know. Recent I'm really bad at timeline. Stuff. You took it recently. <laughs> so, recently. So that would be that would be like a fairly recent implementation into like what you're doing now. So tell me about that. Uh, I mean, I remember you talking about the way you research in the podcast, and I think it was just one of those things where I don't know. The human brain is kind of weird, and you're just like, "Well, oh, that's cool, Brandy, but not for me." Like, right. That's what a lot of people tell me. <laughs> I don't know why. Um, Maybe you just weren't think... in a place to receive it. No, <laughs> I didn't actually talk about it on the podcast the same way I did in the course. So you probably yeah, that was probably maybe. <laughs> well, and maybe like um. Again, visual. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to say that and not give away anything. Well, a lot of but, designers and creative professionals are visual learners, which is part of why I wanted to do a course and part of why I do a lot of workshops when we're not in COVID times is because it just, it resonates. It resonates when you can see the magic happen. <laughs> yeah, yes. Uh, and I think from the course, I, I better understood 
how you do the actual physical research. And so then whenever I, the thing that I like about the course is that it's at least one chance, one stage in your life, I guess, where you just go through a hundred percent your process to learn it. And then you can decide what you want to implement into your own process, what works for you, what doesn't work for you, because we're all unique and our Mm -hmm. brains are unique. Um, And so I think that's another thing that you just are kind of forced to understand things that maybe your initial mindset would have been, nah, it's not for me. Uh, And so that gives you an opportunity of, oh, wow, this is something that I actually really love and it does work for me and I want to incorporate it into my design process. So that's what the research step kind of became for me. Yeah. So how did you, how did you sort of research before and how are you doing, like how, what have you implemented differently? Or I guess I I'm totally fine with you giving away a little bit of this because I've talked about it before and I talk about it on design tips and things. Um, this is just a piece of it. So I do, I am very interested in like, what was it that resonated with you in the seeing how I research and how that works that sort of was a little bit more of a light bulb this time around? Um, yeah, (laughs) I'm embarrassed to say I relied too much on Pinterest. Um, just kidding. All of us have at one point or another. It's, and I it, still, I mean, for my job, I still look at Pinterest and Behance and stuff because, like, we have to make sure that our stuff is current. Here's the um, thing. I'm going to just sidebar with you for a second before I just make everybody feel bad. Um, it's totally fine to look at all of these places and in general to just take in stuff from everywhere Mm-hmm. It's when you're looking at it for specific projects that it comes that it becomes a negative for you. So if you're just like, man, I just want to look at some really cool posters on Pinterest because I love looking at poster design or book covers or album art or whatever logo design. If you're just like chilling, scrolling, looking around, saving stuff because you think it's cool, totally fine. Same for Behance and all of those things. The trouble is you go, I have a I have a magazine. Um, layout that I need to do. I'm going to get on Pinterest and look at magazine layouts. That's, that's like the, the delineation. So it's not like Pinterest is evil. I have tons of Pinterest boards of things that I love and Mm -hmm. projects that I'll probably never do in my house and things like that. But um, I don't look at those when I'm trying to come up with an idea for a client. So I know you probably know that, but that's like for the general public to go like, you don't like Pinterest. I love Pinterest. I love Behance. (laughs) Everything in its place, right? <laughs> yes. And in moderation. Yes. We'll say. Uh, but you saying that made me think, like, look, thinking back to doing the course and doing the way that you researched, I, I think just relying on Pinterest, you get a little overloaded because you're scrolling and you're seeing a lot of pins that you might not actually want to see. You don't want to be inspired by them, but your brain's still taking them in. Whereas going through like physical books or going to Barnes and Noble or just going outside and doing your research that way, I think you can be a little bit more <laughs> not so overwhelmed yeah, with visually selective. with what you're yeah. you're seeing and therefore taking and so doing the sketching I think I was able to recall my inspiration a little bit more clearly. Um, Plus, you probably but, slept, right? So what? Plus, you probably did the sleeping trick. So <clears throat> uh, <laughs> right, you slept in between, right? Crickets. I'll just insert cricket sound right here. <laughs> yeah, no, you are totally right because. Um, And I do talk about this. I've talked about this probably ad nauseum, I feel like, but there's a lot of people that have definitely not heard it before. Um, When you're when you're searching online, you just can scroll forever. Ultimately, like no matter what platform you're on, the Internet is is such now. It's not like when the Internet was first around in like the 90s. It's like, oh, I hit the end. I hit the end of this search query. Um, 
you can never, it will never end. You could just like die scrolling because it will never end. And that can be super overwhelming, even besides the fact that you're probably taking an inspiration that you probably shouldn't be, or you're going to inadvertently copy someone else's work just because that's all you're looking at. But when you have um, a set amount of time, if you, if you absolutely must look online for things, you set amount of time that you do it. Or if you're looking at books, a certain number of books and things like that to make sure that you are, you don't need hundreds of thousands of things in front of your eyes to get inspiration. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's really cool that that was a really, that was a sort of a shift for you. So are you, are you feeling a little bit more like you have like a grasp on the full thing now that you've gone through the whole course? Yes, definitely. Um, and I would, I'd say I, I have pretty much implemented like at least 95% of what you do. Um, so I'm just curious what parts you did not resonate with. Like which parts did were like, you know, I don't, I kind of don't feel like that's something I would put into my own thing. This is, I'm, it's nothing bad. I, I know everyone yeah. has their own thing. So I'm just, I want to know. Um, I do the sleep thing. I do. I just don't <laughs> do it where you say to do it. <laughs> okay. Okay. So let's talk about All that right. then. So um, the sleep thing has to do with how your brain takes things in. And basically, the method that I have always used is to do research, um, whatever that looks like. Uh, I like to do it before a point of brain rest. So for me, that is literal sleep. So I often, when I can, do my research as close to like nighttime or bedtime as I can. And then wake up in the morning and then sketch because then your brain has a chance to to make the soup, as I say. And um, so what is, how is it different for you? What, at what point do you implement the sleep? Um, I have always implemented the sleep after finishing the design. So before you show clients anything kind of. Um, So I do take a break from the project at the point where you would put sleep. So research and sketching. Um, But usually because my brain doesn't shut off at night, it wants to problem solve. So I mean, that's part of the point. That's part of the point is your brain wants to problem solve. So you let it do the problem solving while you sleep. It's like you're working while you sleep and you can still sleep. (laughs) But I won't sleep. It takes so long for me to go to sleep. But maybe I should just give it a try and see if I get a good night's sleep and if I solve problems. Yeah, I mean, everybody has like totally different sleep patterns and stuff. So what I've what I've said about like, because there's also been times where people say like, well, what if I can't sleep? Like, what if I have a project due the same day that it's given to me? And obviously, just like um, this process can be can be as long as you need it to be. If you have three weeks to do a project, it can take three weeks. If you have a day, you just basically truncate all of the the timelines of each step. And so when that's the case, I always suggest that, like I said, you take like a, a tr- like if you can even take like a 15 or 30 minute nap um mm-hmm. go or because for me just taking a break quote unquote doesn't work for me I can't shut my brain off when I'm awake if I'm tired and I want to sleep it's easier to implement that step so if if I have something due that day I either need to take an actual physical rest of some kind or do something that engages my brain completely so that I cannot think of the project. Yeah. Um, and that kind of acts as the same sort of thing. But there, there's lots of science that shows what your brain does when you're sleeping. Mm-hmm. And so that's part of um, the thing that I have learned over the years is that a lot of, a lot of the things that I had done in this process that I developed there's actually science to back up a lot of the steps that I found later in life that is mm-hmm. really, really cool because then it's like people people can see that this isn't just me going, hey, this works for me. Like this is just something that works for me and it might work for you because 
there on some level humanity there are a lot of commonalities like a lot of our brains work very similarly um certain tactics certain things work well um so i think that that's another really important thing for people to know about the course is that there are a lot of levels of it that are actually like based in science yeah um so where where blah 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 we're going to start over because apparently <laughs> I need more coffee. Um, so how much easier do you think it would have been for you if um, like today you didn't, you had never heard of anything and um, you, you heard the podcast and then you heard the course. Do you think that you would have still chosen like at the point you are in your career now? Um, do you think you would have chosen to take the course or just sort of still try and figure out if you had the choice? So right when you learned the process, there was just the podcast. Um, right. So now there's an actual course and the podcast. So you can sort of get a lot of this like for free. Um, but then there's like the course. So what what would you do you think this is purely hypothetical? What do you think you would have chosen like? Had you had the choice, like you heard about it on the podcast and then it's like, oh, by the way, there's also the course. Um, not to sing the podcast at all, but hands down the course. <laughs> no, no diss received. <laughs> um, I just, I mean, if you, we want to go the easiest route, right? So the path of least the resistance. Course. <laughs> the the course is so much easier to understand for me and then it just has a lot more information too so it's kind of like you get more bang for your buck but <laughs> and let's just talk for a second you were talking about the music so yeah. something that i i created exclusive to um people that take the course is i think there's six six or seven playlists that I curated specifically to go along with each step in the process. Um, and that's also like a science-based sort of hack thing that I learned that I do, but that actually works and there's certain kinds of music. Um, so how have you felt about those playlists? Because they are only available to people that have taken the course. Have you listened to them and what have you... What have you felt? Have you felt your brain tingling? <laughs> <laughs> um, so because I was doing a song, like an album. Okay, cover, so that's the other brain I actually hack. haven't listened to okay. all of the playlists. Yeah. But that is a good reminder that I need to go, like the next project that I do, listen to them. Uh, but I did listen to the word map playlist. Um, and I loved it because that's just kind of my type of like chillish <laughs> music. And so I saved it to my pot or to my, uh, Spotify library. And that's like, you talk about listening to the same, even if you don't listen to your playlist, mm -hmm. like listen to the same one while you were um, doing the word map because it's just so much easier to get your brain in the mm -hmm. mode. And so I just keep listening to it to get my brain in the mode. Good. Yeah. So what she's talking about is she was working on an album cover. And so, um, and I've definitely talked about this before on the podcast, when you're designing for a musician, like I always, which I've done quite a bit, it's really important that you listen, you like really immerse yourself in their sound. Um, so if they have a full album, like just listen to that album on repeat, it's a little harder when it's a single, which is a lot of what I've done. Um, cause then you just listen to the same song for like <laughs> kind of a long time, but you will be, you will be so shocked at how the, the vibe of the, the music and the musician or the band or whatever comes through when you yeah. do that. Um, so the fact that you didn't listen to the playlist is, is absolutely what you should not have done probably for this because after the word map it's like you're trying to get the vibe of that that musician that band um and once you're through the word map phase you, you don't have the um detriment of hearing the words and having those words accidentally come out on your page when you don't want them to so once you're past the word map phase then you can kind of be a little bit more free with 
like the stuff that you're listening to. Um, so in the show notes for this episode, I'm going to put, so Amber was, was kind enough to send me pictures of the stuff, the steps that she took while she was taking the course. Oh. So I'm going to just post like the pictures of oh, no. like the process. And so you can see she worked through a project that she was doing. Um, so I'm going to let you tell us about that project um, so that they can know like what they're seeing in the show notes and how that went for you. Um, so you did, you started on a brand new project just for the course. Yeah. Yeah. I just, it wasn't like a client project. I don't want it to seem like this artist paid me for it. It was just, Personal I love this music. He's an okay. up and coming artist. <laughs> and I, I, when I shared it on Instagram, I was like, see this as fan art. And he was like, Oh my gosh, my first fan art. Oh, <laughs> so, that's pretty great. Um, He's going to hire you next time. I was like, oh, thanks for that. <laughs> I love it. Um, so, yeah, it was just, I did a, uh, I think right now he's only putting out singles anyways. So, but I just focused on one song of his anyways. He's, uh, he is Korean, but he grew up in Australia. So what I really love about his music is that he puts out his songs in Korean and in English to different versions because he understands that translation doesn't quite translate. <laughs> um, so I love that. But um, yeah, I just went through the process of trying to make an album art for him uh, for one of his songs. And I don't know how in depth you want me to go on. <laughs> as in depth as you want. It can just be like an overview. Um. So the the song, I mean, okay, the artist is called Mood, and I think of any artist that I've ever heard their name and listened to their music, it just fit his his music is very moody. Okay, um, so, <laughs> so he's I, on brand. I love it though because very I on love brand mood. <laughs> um. But yeah, and the song is called Break Me. It's actually one of his Korean songs. Um, I love Asian stuff. Um, but yeah. So You're learning Korean. Oh, wait, what? You're learning Korean. Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> but I'm trying. Well, uh, side projects, uh, personal projects are usually things you're passionate about. So continue. True, true. I didn't include any Korean like Hangul. I didn't include any Hangul in the project though. Next time. It's English. <clears throat> so, um, but I did have to look up a translation of the lyrics to understand uh, what was going on. And from what I understand, it the song is just about like a relationship that's ending, but he doesn't want it to end. So that was interesting. Um, and just being inspired by... I mean, since I had listened to the song a lot before even deciding to do this project, even with the word map, I, I knew what the song was about and it wasn't like some of the words that I included in the word map kind of came from the lyrics as well. Nice. So it's a really unique design um, and really, no, unique. And I don't use unique in like the <laughs> nice way to say we like ugly or something like unique is like a very high price for me. So um, I think it's really unique. And something that I think is really lost on people that don't um, give this process a chance is the opportunity to create something that is uniquely you. Um, because uh, any, any average, like your average run of the mail designer, and you probably know this because you work with a lot of other designers and you teach upcoming designers, um, a lot of the work looks the same, right? And so often it's like, okay, well, where are you in here? Like, where is your, where is your voice? Like, where's your personality? Where's, um, why would someone hire you instead of this other person? Like, say your skill level, your design um, aesthetic is exactly the same. Your pricing maybe is exactly the same. What sets you, like, what sets you apart? Um and so what I what I loved about your design is that it feels like you. Um, but I definitely got that it um, 
I listened I listened to the song and it feels it feels like it works like it, it sound oh, what is it synesthesia right where yeah. it, it it feels like it's it's all encompassing like it works together and so something that I have not talked in depth about the way that I teach in the course is how to actually like find and use your own uncommon inspiration without giving away secrets. Like how did you feel about that module? And is that something that was like any, anything new to you or was it really just kind of like, okay, I I kind of already knew how to do this. Um, And how, how did that play into this particular design that you did during the course? Um, well, I just have to say first that I think it's interesting that you think that the design feels like me because when I look at it, I don't think it feels like me at all. But that's what I love about it because I, I, I love that from the word map and the design process, what comes out is something I never would have initially done. I wouldn't have chosen those colors for that song, but somehow it works. For that song, even though it's a sad topic, it still kind of has some more yeah. cheery well, it, um, vibe it's to it. The, the tonality of the colors you chose still feels a little bit melancholy. And I think that that, that comes through. Um, when I say it feels like you, it doesn't look it doesn't look like you right now wearing all black with black art and a black with lamp beauty. and <laughs> black everything. Like it has your... This is going to sound really goofy, but like it has like your spirit, like your, like your personality. Like I can, I can see you in it. It doesn't have to be like a direct correlation to like the colors you wear or anything like that. And that's, that's that's what's really important about people understanding what their creative voice is. It's not like the clothes that you have in your closet or, you know, the way you decorate your house. It is what's inside of you that you infuse into your work. That's true. Also, I've never really thought about how my personality is very different from how I dress or decorate my house. You're welcome. It's a little bit more cheery. Okay. <laughs> You're welcome for the therapy session. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, okay. So you said uncommon inspiration. Yeah. And that. Um, I really loved that module. It was not new to me because of Instagram, because you're all about travel and like, oh, I did this thing because of traveling and it inspired me. Um, But I think for me, I don't really know. I think it's just, I rely too much on Pinterest. Um, And I do believe I said this in my feedback to you where like, even if I went to Barnes and Noble and I saw a book cover that I, I was like, oh my gosh, I love this design. Call me an idiot. I don't care. But for some reason, I would just go try to find it on Pinterest and pin it there, which is <laughs> instead of buying the book. Well, if I didn't want to buy the book, you know, I don't know. Um, Camera. But yeah, I know. And maybe <laughs> it's because now I have a lot of storage options on my phone. I don't know. But I have been starting taking pictures of like that stuff instead of pinning it and I, and it's probably because I'm moving away from Pinterest a lot not that like you said I'm not breaking up with Pinterest entirely some people need my to aunt says a lot I'm breaking up with some object but some people need to break from, up with Pinterest like take huh? a break some people need to take a break from Pinterest like like you yeah. take a break from the boyfriend that's like I don't know if we're gonna work out or not so we're gonna take a break <laughs> <laughs> Um, but, oh no, I just love it. I feel like I I talk to my students a lot about keep your eyes open, but it's more geared towards designs and designs in the real world and stuff like that. And so for me, it's kind of shifted from, yeah, keep your eyes open to everything. Like I was on campus the other day walking and I was looking down because you're all like, I love taking pictures of my feet for some reason. (laughs) And Uh, We have like a quad area that's surrounded by these trees that have no leaves on them right now. And the shadow was so cool. Like, and I love shadows. My favorite thing in photography is when we go to shoots that have awesome windows 
And when I'm color grading, there's like a color gradation in the shadows. And I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. satisfied soul right there. Yeah. I love shadows. That's part of your own uncommon inspiration <gasps> right there. You need to have a folder in your phone full of just shadows. I will do it now. <laughs> I took a picture of those. And I've been meaning to share it, but I haven't yet. That's okay. No shade. It's okay. It's for me. No shade, just shadows. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's good. And I think that a lot of, like you said before, a lot of these things are things that no one talks about in this way. And opening your eyes is literally like what I want to do through this whole process. It's like um, there are while it seems rigid, right? Like, I think this process is the best way, the best, most efficient way to not only have good designs, but to get to them quicker. And all of like the logistical, like bullet point things, you will get X, Y, Z from taking this course, but also like becoming just generally more aware Mm -hmm. and more intuitive to your surroundings Um, I also was taught in in design school, like design is everywhere. And that's part of like where I started when I first started blogging in like 2014 or 15 was like you from the second you open your eyes in the morning, everything you see to the moment you close your eyes, everything's designed. And so that was like part of my sort of thesis at the time was like design is everywhere. Design matters. Um, Design speaks like all that came Mm -hmm. from that idea. But over time, as I realized how, you know, finding your voice and how inspiration should really work so that you can really set yourself apart and own your own voice, especially in the world where everything is so homogenized now, is like understanding that you and I can be in the exact same space and find completely different things interesting and inspiring. And that's what you take into the word map and into your process that will make both of our designs completely different, even if we're designing for the same client. Um, so what have you what have you decided to teach your class now that you have this whole idea about not just looking for design in the world? Um, so right now I'm teaching letter and typography, but in the fall I'll teach graphic design one. And, um, from going through your course, I do just want to change some things, um, with your permission. Uh, we already (laughs) talked about it. You're good girl. (laughs) Um, just because I do, I think students rely way too much on the internet because they're so used to it. It's always there for them. Mm -hmm. It's the best friend that has never let them down. And they just don't know it's uh, already letting them down. Yeah. (laughs) It is currently letting them down. (laughs) Yeah. And, and that's like, um, I have a student that I last year, last fall, um, I always talk about your word map process in the very first lecture of graphic design one and she just like attached onto it and um started listening to your podcast and like she absolutely loves your stuff and I think it's interesting I saw her doing a word map in my class last or this week actually and her word map looks completely different than what I do word maps and I was like oh this is fascinating to me (laughs) that I taught you how to do this and you do it differently than me anyways everybody's um, word maps look a little different like how they connect things yeah and like whether they're in squares or circles or zero shapes and like yeah yeah hers were just like words it looked very webby and I was like I love this I love it yes um but I just find the students that don't rely on the internet, their work that they turn in seems a lot more clean to me, a lot more professional level and like feels a lot more original and them. Um, And so I definitely want to figure out a way to encourage them. Like they're going to hate it if they're going to struggle and they're not going to like me for it until we get through the struggle part. <laughs> <laughs> and 
And then they're just gonna be like, oh my gosh, I love this. And this is so much better. And I'm so much more confident and proud in my work. Yep. And that's how I feel about my work now, incorporating your design process, because I can see all of the meaning there and the hard work and just, I'm a lot more proud of the stuff that I produce now than when I see my stuff before. Right. And <laughs> something I'm not proud of. It, no, we're all proud of just, our work. We're a lot better. It's different. It's a different kind of proud. It goes from being like, look, Ma, I made this. I'm so proud of it to like, look at this thing that has staying power and I don't even have to study. I know exactly why I did every single thing that I did on this page. And yeah. that like, especially, especially for like pres- presentations um, mm-hmm. for students, whether you're presenting like for a project or like for your job, if you're presenting to peers or superiors, it's like before, you know, most people are like, oh my gosh, okay, I got to put this thing together. And what if they ask me questions? Like, and it's like super stressful, right? Because I don't know what I'm going to say. I chose this typeface because it felt right. No, no, nobody cares. Like, nobody cares that it feels right. I'm not paying you for your feelings. So why did you choose that thing? Um, And when you go through this process, it's like, okay, I chose this typeface because it goes with my concept. And I chose this concept because it comes from this. And then I chose this because, and you literally can backtrack through the map, um, which is also, it just like ends up being a really cool thing that it's called a word map because it is a map for your design that you can literally follow and trace backwards just like you would if you were walking in real life using google maps and it's like okay i know i looked over here for this thing and then i looked over here for this thing and you can show your path and your process and that gives you confidence but it also Mm -hmm. shows your peers your superiors your potential clients this girl knows what she's doing and she is worth i would pay her more like, I would pay mm-hmm. you more money because you obviously know what you're doing as opposed to, uh, yeah, I could get on Fiverr and pay someone way less for just giving me whatever they wanted because they were really into sea green that day. And, you know, <laughs> that day, that's that's sort of how it feels. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I mean, who doesn't want to put something that they like into their design, but when with your unique way of getting inspiration or your what do you call it again uncommon Um, inspiration uncommon inspiration that's where you get to put you in there and so you're kind of satisfying that feel that artists and designers always are like tug of uh, war i want (laughs) to uh." yeah and it is hard and that's where it's like i'm not i I didn't really start incorporating this idea very um, tangibly into the process until the past like two or three years. Um, I knew that I did it. I knew how I incorporated me, but I wasn't entirely sure how to teach people how to do that um, because I definitely thought it was just something unique to me. Like it's just how my brain works and I can't expect other people to work like that. And it was sort of like, I was trying to just be really nice. Like I'm not going to push this on anyone because it's just how my brain works. And then I was like, this is something people can learn. Like Mm -hmm. you can learn how to be more awake and aware. You can learn how to be more self-aware. You can learn how to like understand what you like just like you do in any other part of life. And then it was like, okay, if I'm not sharing this, I'm actually like keeping something from people that they could really, really use and could be really impactful for not just your work, but like your creative, emotional and mental well-being. (laughs) Yeah, I think for me too, it was kind of a, not that I needed permission, but sometimes we just don't think about, oh, I see these things in the world. I've been seeing them. I just never documented them and possibly like had a database that I could pull from for when I'm creating. Um, And so it was kind of a, okay, Amber, we're already seeing them. Mm -hmm. Document it. Do something with it. Yeah. Don't let it go to waste. And I think that on some level, um, my process does, does give designers and creatives permission because especially when you do go to like a formal design institution 
I know I was taught and didn't even really understand how to find my own voice for at least a decade out of college because I was taught when you are a designer, you basically have to morph into whatever client you're working with and take on their persona and your ideas, your thoughts, your inspiration, like your own personal anything goes mm -hmm. away. And so for a long time, I was definitely in that boat. And then I started understanding how this could work and have found this happy middle ground because you should not do the whatever you feel like, but you also do not have to just be a tool, like a literal yeah. tool or the bad version of don't be a tool. Um, you can like sit in this happy middle place if you know how to, how to do it, where you do still know how to use the client's brand voice and all of that stuff, but then implement your own stuff into it in a really unique and interesting way that makes you stand out from everyone else. And so um, I think that we do sometimes need permission because we are told one thing and especially out of school, right? You just want to do everything right. And you just like, I'm going to do everything I was taught. Um, yeah. <laughs> but this process, well, I'm telling you, you need to learn it. Um, <laughs> it's, there's a lot of freedom in it. And that's another thing I talk about a lot is like, there is more freedom in a box than out of it. Like when you know what you're working with, you know what you can make. Yeah. I uh, actually, when I first became art director, I was like, how do you lead creatives? And I found a book um, that is called Herding Tigers, being the creative leader that creatives want or something like that. And he talks about that. Like, mm -hmm. art is that directors, Todd Henry? Creative, huh? Is that Todd Henry that wrote that yes. book? Yeah. I, I saw him speak when he actually launched that book. Oh, yeah. yeah I love it. It's yeah. a great book if you want to be a leader as a creative. Yeah. Um, but he talks about that of like, you can't just give designers, creatives free reign because then it's like, okay, the landscape is way too wide. And so mm -hmm. often within boundaries is whenever we really find our creativeness or a lot more creative ideas mm -hmm. kind of come out. Absolutely. So we're running up against time now, but um, I guess I would say my last question is, who would you who would you recommend this course to? Like what kind of people do you think should take this course? Oh man. It's kind of hard for me because I I can think of a lot of people and I'm not just saying that like cuz I'm staring you I in the face. So <laughs> You're not just going <laughs> to say that cuz I'm staring at you. No, no, I, I'm not trying to like overly hype you or your course either. Um, I just am so thankful that I discovered you very soon after graduating um, out of college. I, it has helped me in so many ways. And then, um, yeah, so I would say like people who, if you have, young designers or beginner designers under you this would be a great course to go through because it's kind of I mean you can definitely learn things to incorporate into your own design process but how to help the people that are under you as well um, because we all go through life differently and we're all like on a kind of different creative journey um, and so you never know what they know and what they don't know um, and then just I would say beginner designers or not even necessarily beginner designers. Like, I don't even know what that means, <laughs> <laughs> but just like, I don't know if you find yourself in a rut or if you find like, it's really hard to create and have fun creating, then I would definitely take this course because then you might find yourself having fun creating and it not being so whack your head against the wall. <laughs> I will quote you on that. <laughs> yeah. Part of this is like, there is just so everybody has this, this feeling from time to time, um, especially when you don't have like a reliable process of just like, I'm never, I'm, 
I'm going to stare at this page forever. Like, Mm -hmm. or, you know, I had a really good idea last week and I turned that in. It was awesome. But that was probably the last time. Like, I don't think I'll ever make anything (laughs) as good as that again. Um, Or tapped out for the year. Yeah, tapped out. Like, I think, I think all my, my muse has left. And um, the thing that's, the other thing that's really awesome about this process is like, it doesn't matter if you feel creative today like it doesn't matter if you like have that like I woke up feeling like I'm going to make something today and it's going to Mm -hmm. be awesome it's like most most of the the design world does not have that choice like we do not have the option of like our boss coming in and going hey Amber like I could really use a really great design today for something are you feeling that are you like feeling are you feeling inspired to make me something today what? Like, that's not real. That's not real no. life. So what What if you don't have that option? If all you do is personal projects all the time, sure. Yeah, wait for that. Sure, you, you wait all day for that inspiration to come. But that's not how you get paid to do real work. Mm-hmm. And so the process gives you the ability to get to a place where you eventually do feel creative, but you have to start first and it gives you a start no matter how you feel one way or the other. You can sit down, turn on the playlist, start your word map and like run with it. And eventually those feelings of inspiration, of motivation um, do come. Have you experienced that? Um, Kind of. I would say for me, it's been a, like if I get a project that I'm not really hyped about, I love the creative process so much. I think it's like making a word map is so fun. Sometimes I start projects because I wanted to do a word map. <laughs> That's how nerdy I am apparently. Um, but no, I love I, it. I found like when it's a project, I- I'm like, I'm not very excited about this, but I'm going to do it eventually along the lines it's like oh this isn't so bad you feel a lot more into it and then you still have something that you're proud of at the end of it word maps can be art so if all you think so if you can if you can see that you've actually created something in the word map because it is it's like a big deal to to finish one of those um and i love seeing them so feel free to share um all of your word maps and with your students' permission, all of your students' word maps, and yes. that would bring should, me so much joy. I should tell them to share that with me too. Yeah, and then it's like, are you making a word map? You need to be making a word map. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Awesome. Well, Amber, thank you so much for for having this chat. Um, I hope that everyone listening got some something out of it, and I just really was excited to talk with somebody that has gone through the entire course and um, had some some thoughts about it because I definitely have some people that are currently taking it that have not learned it before, like from the podcast or or otherwise. And so their feedback is going to be completely different from yours. But because um, I think some of the pushback or some of the apprehension maybe that some of my followers slash listeners slash community have is like, oh, I, I've already heard all about your process in the podcast. And I've kind of learned this already. So I don't need to buy the course. And so it was really interesting to me to hear your insight on both sides. So I appreciate you coming and talking with me today. Wow, I am just happy to be here and help you in any way I can. Because honestly, I don't know, like you, I've just always loved following you and your, your knowledge and your sharing of knowledge has helped me and I'm sure so many other people. So thank you for what you do. (laughs) Awesome. Well, I, I appreciate that. If, if I was like a blusher, I'd probably be blushing because that's very kind and I appreciate you so much. So, um, (laughs) I hope that, uh, that everyone will go and check out the course 
if you want to visit it at brandyc.com slash courses, you can get sort of a sneak peek, take a look at the outline and see all of the things that it comes with. And we didn't even talk about all the extras, um, like there's downloads and printables and guides and like some extra stuff that I have in there that um, either is only available to my subscribers on the on my newsletter or is like actually f- like something you buy, like my color guide and things like that. So um yeah, go check that out. And um, the course actually closes for registration until further notice at the end of May. So as of today, you have, I don't know, I don't know when this podcast is going to go out, but end of May is like your deadline. So um, you better get on it. So I hope that everyone has a great day and uh, we'll talk to you soon, Amber. Hey, thank you. All right. Well, that's our episode for today. Be sure to leave us a review on iTunes and you can always send us a note on Instagram at Design Speaks Podcast. You can find all current and past episodes at designspeakspodcast.com. Design Speaks is produced by Kenneth Niffin and Dakota Cook. Shout out to Colin from Vespertine for our incredible theme music. Design Speaks is a project from me, Brandy C., and is recorded in the shadow of the watermelon pink Sandia Mountains near Albuquerque, New Mexico. As always, thanks for listening. Till next time.